Happy Holidays from the DSR Network. We are deeply appreciative of our members and the year that we've had. To celebrate the holiday season, we are offering a 50% discount on either your first month or first year of membership. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the members-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of December, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month or for the first year. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSRHOLIDAY at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSRHOLIDAY. Thank you very much for your support. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. Keen listeners will note that I am not the usual host, David Rothkoff. He is unfortunately out sick today, so it's a bit of a throwback episode uh, with just me and my fellow host, Chris Cottonwire. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Riley. Thanks for asking. Well, Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you for the first story. Uh, The first story is Liz Cheney is weighing a uh, run for president in the Republican Party. Um, this is just ahead of the Republican debate, which is taking place tomorrow night. Um, what I like about this is she's not just willy nilly throwing her hat into the ring. Um, she seems to be weighing it, um, you know, on the basis of one, does she have an opportunity to steal votes away from Trump? But two, she's also weighing it against, um, damaging or taking votes away from the Biden campaign. Um, So we'll see where this goes. I definitely see this as a a positive because at some point people have to realize um, as much as I don't think it will happen that Donald Trump is really not a viable presidential candidate. uh, And at least the Republican Party has um, some sane folks like Liz Cheney, potentially to a lesser extent, Nikki Haley, who potentially have the ability to take votes away. Uh, so we'll see where this goes. Riley? Yeah, so my my first story over the weekend um, and yesterday, Israel began kind of their big offensive into southern Gaza. Yesterday, they started the largest assault since the collapse of the peace deal, uh, attacking the largest city in southern Gaza. Uh, the main hospital in the city, the Nasser Hospital, is already flooded with wounded and Gaza Health Ministry spokesperson said that many hospitals are already collapsing from the sheer volume of injuries from this assault. Um, Israel has said that it's open to, quote, constructive feedback on reducing civilian casualties so long as it remains consistent with their goals to destroy Hamas. Um, and from what I read, there's nothing to indicate that this assault is kind of taking that into account. It seems pretty similar to their earlier assaults. Um, they kind of told citizens to evacuate on Monday. However, the assault of the city began later in the day and early in this morning, early this morning. So whether they had time to actually evacuate, I think is up in the air. I would say probably not. Um, And they've already, there's already been reports that they've also continued to bomb places that they've marked as safe, including the city of Rafa. So, I mean, this conflict just continues to, 
take an extremely heavy toll, especially on civilians and just everyone in Gaza. So back to you, Chris. Some COP28 news, a bit of a roundup. Um, The first is that nations have agreed to a loss and damage fund, the idea of which uh, was conceived in Egypt at COP27. Uh, Now they're starting to fund it. Initial funding will start at $429 million, which is uh, just a fraction of what's needed. Um, But it's expected that um, larger nations will pony up some cash. Um, So we'll keep an eye on that development. The second is that the United States is among at least 60 countries backing a pledge um, to reduce cooling-related emissions by 2050. Um, The Global Cooling Pledge would mark the first collective focus on energy emissions from the cooling sector, and it calls for countries to reduce their cooling-related emissions by at least 68% compared to 2022 levels by the year 2050. And the third is that uh, the draft agreement um, that would be the, you know, what would come out of COP28 uh, includes um, the potential to end the use of fossil fuels. Um, the debate, of course, is you know should they reduce or eliminate fossil fuels or try to preserve them? Um, I really don't see fossil fuels going away anytime soon. Um, there's obviously been progress, but we're so dependent on. Um, fossil fuels for heating, for cooling, for our vehicles, uh, for just about everything we do. Um, so, and we'll, we'll see what the resolution ends up being. Um, but both sides are arguing, uh, the benefits of each of those, uh, proposals, eliminating fossil fuels or keeping them. Riley? And I, of course, have to take the opportunity to plug our Road to COP28 series. Um, a lot of these kind of issues and topics were discussed by our, our excellent panelists. Um, so if you want to know more, especially about the that fund, um, I know for a fact that we talked about that on our most recent panel. So I would encourage, encourage you to go listen to that if you're interested. For my second story, um, Vladimir Putin is set to make a trip to the Middle East tomorrow uh, and it's a rare trip for him uh, especially given that he has an international arrest order hanging over his head from the ICC um, for those of you who remember this was due to charges that they were trafficking children uh, in Ukraine so because of that arrest order he has not made too many international trips as you can imagine however he will be going to the UAE and Saudi Arabia tomorrow Um, The Kremlin said that main items on the agenda are bilateral relations, Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and, as they said, which is always on the agenda, issues regarding the oil market. Um, So they didn't provide specific details, but a foreign policy aide said that talks in Saudi Arabia will include a meeting with the crown prince, which I don't think is too surprising that you have developed a pretty close relationship in recent years. Um, Not too surprising to pretty strong and aggressive leaders in their countries. So I'm not too surprised they have a lot to talk about. And then after that, Putin will return home and meet with the Iranian president. 
And there's little known about that meeting. However, there are still fears about the expansion of Moscow and Tehran's military cooperation, especially given that Iran has been supplying drones to Russia for the war in Ukraine. Um, so curious to see what those meetings kind of result in, but I imagine can't be too much good for the West Ukraine and Ukraine, especially. Chris? Uh, Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer is uh, leading a U.S. delegation to India uh, to discuss the failed assassination attempt of a Sikh separatist uh, in on on United States soil. Um, this came after, of course, there was a successful um, assassination in Canada uh, with a Sikh separatist, um, and the Canadian government indicated that India was involved as uh, similar to what the United States has done. Um, uh, Deputy um, Finer acknowledged India's establishment of a committee of inquiry to investigate the plot. Um, and again, we'll see where this goes. I just, I, I, I think, you know, obviously India is an important relationship to the United States. Um, the fact that we're having these discussions is quite disturbing. Uh, but in any case, you know, we, we seem to at least be addressing it and we'll see what comes of, uh, this visit and the investigation, uh, into the, into the failed assassination attempt. Riley. Yeah, well, I would have liked to end on a lighter story, but this one I couldn't really pass up, and that is that the U.S. broke its mass shooting record for the second consecutive year. Um, so over the weekend, the U.S. saw its 37th and 38th mass shootings of the year, which passed last year's record of 36. Um, the deaths from the latest shootings brought the total to 197, which is also a record. Um, so the metric for this, because there are some different numbers about mass shootings and it depends on the definition. So this came from the Washington Post and their definition is a shooting in which four people or more are killed, excluding the shooter. Um, so if you're seeing different numbers, that's why. Um, but this is just another sign that this isn't going away. I mean, it's, it's literally getting worse last year set the record at 36, and then we pass it again this year. And that's not a record you want to be routinely breaking. Um, in 2022, 48,000 people died of gunshot wounds, which averages to 132 deaths per day. Uh, and more than half of those were suicides. So I know, I know both you and David always have a lot to say about this, but it, you know, to me, it's just amazing that despite these growing numbers, there still isn't an indication that we're really going to do anything about it. I know the Biden administration has kind of said that they want to see some more bans, but there's still, you know, not a lot of movement up about this on the Hill. And that's just, to me, is a complete failure. Yeah, totally agree. Um, obviously, uh, the NRA and the money that's involved here um, continues to have an impact on our sort of inability to do something about the gun problem. In any case, um, we uh, thank you for listening this morning, and hopefully David will be back tomorrow to provide uh, additional analysis to the stories that we're providing. Um, and we hope you have a, a great day. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>